And ready to roll once again at uh, six minutes after one o'clock on your Sunday, 416 870 star 640 on sale to talk to Lior. Employment concerns, seven concerns, and anytime, 1-855-821-5900. We'll cover the uh, severancepaycalculator.com, insurance, pardon me, uh, injurycalculator.com, and, and a bunch of terminationquestions.com. We have websites galore. Too many, man. Too, too many, many flying Injury at Injury calculator. This is I the know. employment oh, hour, John. God, it's yeah. you guys. Too many you guys. If you guys weren't twins, I'd be harder on you. Uh, we always start with the week that was. How was That's it? That's right, John. And, and welcome to all our listeners here to talk about employment law, workplace rights. I know there's questions. I get questions all the time. Uh, so now is the time to raise them. So I always like to start off by talking about a couple of situations that I've uh, seen this week, a couple interesting uh, scenarios. And these two uh, cases, John, I'm going to tell you about show how important timing and strategy is mm-hmm. when resolving workplace disputes. And the first matter that I'll talk to you about uh, came from our Ottawa office. Uh, we were uh, contacted by a gentleman that had worked at an Ottawa car dealership. He was an assistant manager, and there were two assistant managers in the car dealership. And the way their compensation worked is that they, uh, they split uh, a, a percentage of the revenues of the car dealership. So let's say it was, I don't know, 3%. Sure. Uh, they split half goes to one guy, half sure. goes to the other guy. So the, the person that called us was one of the two people. Now, he had worked there for a while, and he was making a reasonable uh, income, and everything was fine, except the employer, the car dealership, had decided to add a third person, a third assistant manager, and the idea being that now the, that same income would be shared amongst three people. So the, the reality is that he could expect, unless business increased, to make, a th- to, to make at least only two-thirds of the income that he was sure. making before. He would lose a third of the income because now instead of splitting it with one person, he's splitting it with two people. The employer believed the business is going to increase so that actually the compensation is not going to change. And he, w- he was calling me very upset, and he felt that it was a constructive dismissal. And he's right in the sense that a, a reduction in income could be a constructive dismissal, which would allow someone to leave and get severance. Except when he called me, that change had just happened. We didn't know exactly how it would impact his uh, income. If the employer was right, and in fact business increased, then his income would remain unchanged. So what I told him, and he wasn't necessarily very happy about it, we need to wait a couple of months. You need to actually get paid with this third person working, mm-hmm. and you need to see that the money going inside your bank account is actually less. Once we know that, once we know that the reality on the ground is such that you've made less income, then we have a case for constructive dismissal. Right now, it's just theoretical. It's possible. We don't know what the future will hold. So sure enough, he agreed. Two months later, I speak to him again. And yes, exactly as he thought, because he's now splitting the, uh, the income with uh, two people instead of one, he's making a lot less money. In fact, it was even less than he had expected because business, as it turns out, was actually reduced rather than increased. So at that point, we said, now we can say it's a constructive dismissal. Now that we know for a fact that you're making less money. So he ended up leaving. We started a claim for constructive dismissal and resolved it this past week on excellent terms. Now, had we started the claim right away, the employer could have said, well, wait a second, you jumped the gun. We don't know if his income would have changed, so it may not have been a constructive dismissal. So by waiting and actually seeing how this change impacted him, we were able to pursue this matter and get him severance. Let me ask a question, though. And along those lines, if you're saying that, say, okay, they hired this third person and say the revenue of the dealership came up 50%, 30% more money. Yes, dollar-wise, he would be making more, but he's still losing percentage. Regardless of whether it's $10 or $10,000, it's still, 
if, if, if business had increased 30% anyway, he still would have made more money without the third person. Can't he claim that? That's right, except ultimately the employer was hoping that by bringing in this new employer, this new assistant manager with a lot of connections, the vir- by virtue of bringing him in, that's going to increase the business. Okay. That's going to make. So the employer was saying, but for this person, business wouldn't have increased. You're right. Potentially, it could have impacted his income anyway, but we needed to see what actually happened. Right. Now, let me tell you about a second situation very, very briefly. Okay. I was contacted by a gentleman that was uh, subject to some workplace harassment. Uh, he had uh, a boss that mistreated him completely. He complained to HR. Nothing was done. In fact, it, it emboldened the manager. He became even worse. It got so bad that this gentleman start, started suffering from being a, unable to sleep. He actually felt physically sick. No. He couldn't take it, and he resigned. And he called me about a month later once he heard our show and saying, you know, I resigned a, a month ago because of these situations. Can I do something about it? And here's the problem. The problem is it's going to be extremely difficult to prove that harassment. It's not like the boss is going to say, yes, shucks, I did it. Uh, as a result of that, there's no record. So how do you establish right. that you had to quit because of this harassment? So I told him, you're, you're in for an uphill battle. What I would have told him had he contacted me before he quit is this. Go to your doctor. Get a, tell him the doctor exactly what's happening. Tell him that because of this work environment, this work situation, you're feeling sick. The doctor is then going to give you some time off work. Why is that important? It's important because when you talk to your doctor, the doctor creates a record. He or she writes mm-hmm. down what you told You've him. established something. You've now, established. Right? Now there's an independent record that was created saying what's happening in the workplace. And then you can show that it's impacted you so much that your doctor actually had to give you time off work. It's manifested physically. Oh, exactly. Right. He would have had a perfect constructive dismissal case. Instead, he, he jumped the gun and it was very difficult to do anything for him. We'll take your phone calls. Uh, George, John, hang on the line. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Lots more to go. We're just getting warmed up here. Uh, Lior's number anytime, one 821 5900 And Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show coming up. It is the Employment Hour on AM640 and AM900 CHML. Always like to bounce over to our phone calls here on the Employment Hour. Get to uh, George. Hello, George. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, sir. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yes. Uh, may I ask a question before I start? Uh, may I use uh, the company name, uh, which uh, we're talking about or not? Eh, not necessary, I don't think. Okay, that's fine. Okay, my wife's been told last Wednesday that uh, her employment uh, has been terminated with the company she's working for. She, she was on a temporary contract, so they renewed her contract every six months. Uh, she's worked uh, there for over four years now. Um, the only thing uh, they gave her was two weeks of notice. Uh, and they said that that's about it. We asked about any kind of severance or anything after four years, even though she was on a temporary contract. But she worked more than uh, three years, I guess, uh, four years plus. So my question is, is there any chance to uh, be able to get any kind of severance like uh, um, funds from the company mm-hmm. or not? Absolutely, George. Not only is what they've given her, the two weeks notice, inadequate. In fact, it's a violation of the Employment Standards Act. It, it's, in other words, it's illegal. So because she's been there for four years, I don't really care about the fact that, strictly speaking, she was on on a number of six-month contracts. In the eyes of the law, she was a regular employee. So in her situation, how old is your wife approximately, George? She's going to be 60 this year. 60. And what kind of job? What was she doing there? She's um, a specialized uh, specialized job in a a specialized software for... uh, 
It's called GIS, GIS specialist. Right. Okay. So because it's a more of a, spe- a special position, it's probably not going to necessarily be very easy to replace that position. In her situation, could she could easily be entitled to as much as eight months of compensation. Forget about two weeks, George. She could easily be owed about eight months of compensation. So here's what you need to do or your wife Give me a call off air. John is going to give you the number here in a sec. Okay. Uh, let me talk to her. I want to see also the agreements that she signed. They're probably not going to change anything, but ultimately I should be able to help her quite easily, actually, to get her full severance. Okay, perfect. G- George, that number is 416-216-5900, 416-216-5900. Is that employer possibly basing the fact that it was a revolving contract every six months so they don't owe you Exactly, anything? but the thing is this. Even if she somehow was on a six-month contract, to end it early, you're still a four-year employee. At a minimum under the employment standards, like you get four weeks, not two. So that's a violation of the employment standards. But what I can tell you is over four years – Six-month contract, that's like eight contracts, roughly, mm-hmm. right? Uh, lawyer and mathematician. Yeah, love it. Uh, and uh, and model. Uh, well, they are uh, on the side. But there's no way, John, that eight contracts will actually be valid. Once no. the con- And we've talked about this on the yes. show. One con- once contract re- uh, roll over, keep getting renewed automatically over a period of time. You're an employee. You're an employee. Yep. Forget about the contract. And that's her situation. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. John, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Good, man. What's up? Good. I'm starting a new job Monday, May 4th. Um, now, to give t- proper two weeks' notice, that would mean I'd have to hand in my resignation letter tomorrow. Yep. But I'm waiting for a bonus, which hasn't been paid out yet. Yeah. So I'm wondering, should I hand in my resignation before that period? And uh, this is a bonus for 2014? It runs from January to December of 2014, and right. they, paid, they paid out in April. Yeah. Now, they should have paid it by now, but it's late. It's late. So, so here's, here's the, the short answer, uh, is you are entitled to this bonus, even if you give your notice tomorrow or you gave it already, you, because you've earned it and you've done everything you need to do to get it, except if at some point you signed an employment agreement uh, when you started or at some other point that says that you have to be actively employed on the day that the bonus is paid, if that's what it says, and it says that accurately and exactly that, you may actually lose out on the bonus if you are not there when the bonus is paid. So that's why you need to, uh, to, to know about the employment agreement. If the now, agreement is silent on that issue, you get your bonus. It does state that. Now, the bonus is supposed to be paid April 27th. If I give my two weeks notice, am I, I'm still an employee. And right. It should be paid like a few days yes. before I leave. Now, what would happen in that case? So if April 27th is uh, the day and you're giving two weeks notice, if the notice takes you beyond that day, then uh, you're fine. If that's what the agreement actually says. Uh, and it's possible, by the way, that if you give them notice tomorrow, they'll say, we want you to go tomorrow. We don't want you to come back on, on Tuesday. Even in that situation, you would still be entitled to the bonus as long as the two weeks takes you beyond the period of time that the bonus is paid. So, so make sure that when you give notice, you, as long as you know it's the 27th, that the two weeks takes you beyond that date, and you should be more than fine. If they don't pay it to you, if they try to avoid doing that, give me a call. 416-216-5900 is the number you want to call. We should title the show, The Ministry of Labor Strikes Again. Yes. Right? You know, you heard about the Empire Strikes Again. Yeah, right. Again. Yeah, that, this is the Ministry of Labor. Yes. Well, we got about a minute in this, uh, this segment. Let's get into this. So we, uh, we talked uh, a bit in the past about how the Ministry of Labor is, is misleading people like all the time. Remind us of what people should understand about the ministry. Yeah, and, you know, very, very frustrating. Uh, you know, wh- one of the first instincts, I think, for people when they lose their job 
is to say, well, I'm going to call the Ministry of Labor. I'm going to call the Labor Board. I mean, if you were to say that to someone, that's what you've done, no one would think that's unusual. Of course, mm-hmm. that's what you do. The problem is the Ministry of Labor not only cannot help you when you lose your job in terms of your full severance entitlements, they're going to give you information that's completely wrong or, or misleading, I would say. And, and here's what I mean by that. The Ministry of Labor can only advise you if you lose your job with respect to your minimum entitlements, John, not your full entitlements. And the problem with that is your full entitlements could be 5, 10, 20, 50 times mm-hmm. greater than your minimum entitlements. And you're not going to know that. They're not going to tell you, by the way, John, your minimum entitlements are three weeks. You could be entitled to more and you should get some legal advice. That's they'll all they sim- have to say. They're simply going to say your minimum entitlements are three weeks or your entitlements are three weeks. And you'll think, wait, wait a second, not knowing that you're owed several times that. So we'll talk more after the break. Yeah. Scratching the surface on this one. Make sure you stick around for this. And if you want to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have Lior at employmenthour.com. And his number anytime is 1-855-821-5900. More of the show, the Employment Hour coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sell is the number. We'll get to more uh, Ministry of Labor follies here in just a minute. First, we got uh, Mike on the line. Hello, Mike. Hey, how are you? Good, pal. What's up? I got a, I got a question regarding overtime. Um, I do a lot of traveling for work, and uh, when I travel, they uh, just stop paying me time and a half for my travel time, even though I'm in overtime for the week. So just let's just say I flew to... Uh, Portland, as I did, and I when I flew home, I was into 70 hours, and uh, the 24 of it was travel. They didn't give me time and a half for those 24. I was wondering if that's if that's legal. Yeah, generally speaking, what we call travel time. Uh the time that it takes you to get to do the work. So in this case, it would take, you know, you're flying out west, whatever it is to do the work. That's not actually uh, time worked. Uh, it doesn't count as time worked. So unless there's an employment agreement in place that uh, speaks to that issue and that requires them to pay you for that, that would not usually count towards your uh, overtime. Now, if you, if you have to travel during the day to get to a client, potentially that would uh, count. But to travel to a location that way would not count towards overtime. We'll get to uh, Craig. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? All right. Good. I got a quick question. I recently became uh, under a union, and I know you guys don't normally talk about that, but I was originally a salary-paid employee, and I wanted to know, is apparently the union had rights before because it was under an old name previously, then closed the doors and reopened to get rid of the union or just under any other situation, I guess. And uh, so about a year and a half in, they came to me and said, now union, and you lose your salary. So you're now going to an hour, hourly situation. Is this possible? So, so right now, Craig, uh, you're, you're part of a union. Now, uh, now, yeah, as of December 7th, I've become unionized. Yeah, the reality is if you're part of a union, if, if you're paid in accordance with the collective agreement, which let's say the collective agreement, uh, agreement provides for a certain hourly wage that you would make, then, then that's fine. There's nothing you can do about that uh, as long as they pay you in accordance with the collective agreement, even though that may be different or less than what you're making before. One of the downsides of being part of a union 
uh, probably the biggest is that, uh, you, you know, you don't make up, you don't negotiate the terms of your employment. They not, may not be favorable to you. It's the terms negotiated by the union, and you kind of live and die by what they've decided. So unfortunately, oh, wow. Craig, there's not going to be anything you can do here as long as the employer has c- complied with the collective agreement. You're bound by the CBA no matter you what. You are bound 100%, right. nothing you could do. Let's talk about more fun stuff, and that would be dealing with the Ministry of Labor. Um, Give me a common example of someone getting the wrong advice from the Ministry of Labor. You know, a, a couple of situations, I mean, that we talked about over the years. So, uh, you know, the, the, the case that initially I spoke to about on the radio that uh, uh, when we started the claim against Ministry of Labor it w- was effectively this. I was contacted by an individual who worked for a company uh, and for, for about 25 years, and he was, uh, he was let go because the company was shutting down. And the company gave him eight weeks' notice. So they told him, in eight weeks, employee, we're going to let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that employee, you know, in his uh, early 50s, called the Ministry of Labor. And they, they asked him, well, how many people work for the company? Oh, about 30. Okay, fine. No, you're not owed anything else. Eight weeks is all you're owed. Okay, then think about it. Company closed down. Fast forward a year later, he still had not found a job, and then this handsome lawyer, Lior Samfuro, gets on the, on, the, on the airs, and he hears me say... It's debatable. They, they, that's right. Thanks, John. <laughs> that he actually gets a lot more severance. So he right. calls me, yeah. and I said, well, no, someone in your situation would actually be entitled to 24 months of notice or severance. In the meantime, the company had shut down. There was no company to go after because they had shut right. down a year before, no assets, no money. So we had started a claim against the Ministry of Labor for giving that negligent advice, for telling him that he's, he's only entitled to eight weeks pay when, in fact, he was owed 24 months pay or, or some other greater amount. Now, this may sound like a, a, an unusual situation. It's not. What I've just described, John, ha- happens every day, several times a day. People call the Ministry of Labor because they lost their job. They want to know how much they're owed or what they're owed, and they're given the wrong advice. They're told what their minimum ent- entitlements are, now what their full entitlements are, and someone, by believing that and accepting a severance offer on that basis, could walk away from tens of thousands of dollars that they are legally owed. A big, huge problem. 416 870 star 640 on cell. Mike, hello. Hi, uh, Mike. I have a quick question for you. I'm um, a new employer that I'm looking to go to work for has asked me to sign a uh, letter of uh, non-compete for six months if something was to happen after a term. Yes. You know, if I was, like, going a year from now, what is that legal? First of all, Mike, uh, what kind of a job? What would you be doing for this company? Did sales. Sales. So would you be like a, just a salesperson or a sales manager? Or? Manage, manager. Okay. A senior manager position? position? Yes. Okay. So in terms of its enforceability, something like that may well be enforceable. Usually it's only enforceable for very senior employees, what we call executives or fiduciaries. If you're at that level, it would be enforceable. But here's, here's what you need to know. Let's assume that you're actually below that level where it's not enforceable. You still have to take that seriously. You still cannot ignore that because let's say you think, okay, this is not enforceable, so who cares? You leave there and you go to work for a competitor the next day. Well, your current company would probably sue you and you'd have to uh, deal with that lawsuit. And let's say eventually after a year and a half of fighting it, you're going to win. Your life is still going to be pretty miserable in the meantime. So my advice to you, Mike, take that seriously if you're not able to, to abide by it, I would not sign the agreement. I would not accept the job. 
because you're going to have to be very, very careful if your employment ends not to compete or you're going to risk some legal action against you. Does Mike stand a chance of maybe negotiating that down to three months? He does, you know? or potentially to negotiate some guaranteed severance. So if you're right. letting me go uh, at some point, employer, and I can't compete, that I want to know that at a minimum I'm going to get this six-month severance, hopefully more, so that I'm not out of work, I'm not out of money. We'll uh, take a short break, guys. Hang on the line. We'll get to you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Lee or at employmenthour.com for email. And the number anytime to get a hold outside of show hours, 1-855-821-5900. This is the Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We'll get to more good times with the uh, Ministry of Labor very shortly here. Got some more questions, and I'm sure people listening have all kinds of questions as well. First, want to get over to the uh, phones once again. Got uh, Derek. Hello, Derek. Hi. How are you? Okay. Okay, you got a question for Leo? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I injured my back about three years and seven months ago, and I'm still, like, I'm losing it. Like, I've been arguing with the company, the union, the ministry, and it's still non-processed. Like, it's still going on. We're in the tribunal for about the last, uh, I don't know, 12, 15 months now. And still, they said maybe another six months, and it's a non-going going episode mm-hmm. with this. <clears throat> I'm just wondering, like, what, what this company is doing, they refuse all claims. They send it to um, the ministry denying all claims. Right. So is this how... Uh, Ontario is going now where the company has more rights than the worker, where they can just deny everything and backlog the ministry? Well, Derek, obviously I can't say if the company is right to deny without knowing about your case. Maybe they're right, maybe you're right. I, I don't know. What I can tell you that the problem with this situation is not so much what the company is doing, the problem is because you're unionized, you can't just take matters in your own hand or have a lawyer take matters and move these things quickly because that's what you can do when you're not part of a union. You deal with your employer directly, you cut out the middleman, and, and you're able to resolve these things very quickly. Because you're unionized, you have to go through the union. The union is the only one that can deal with this dispute, and the union is notoriously slow in these types of cases. So you're, you're in a way between a rock and a hard place. You have a problem, you want it resolved, but you don't control that issue. You don't control the process. So the only advice I can give you is continue to work with your union, push them as much as you can to move your matter along, and, and, I, and I wish you all the best. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. Ernest, welcome to the show. Hi there, how are you? Good, pal. What's going on? Good. Um, okay, I have a, uh, just a question. Uh, the company I'm working for, uh, they're changing the company to a incorporated instead of just the company name. Right. And I want to know if I've been with them for four years, and I want to know if there's changes with that. Does it affect my severance if something was to occur or something like that? Excellent question, Ernest. And yes. a lot of people are in a similar situation where mm-hmm. somehow the corporate structure changes. And here's the good news, and, and you know, it applies to you and everyone else listening, is no, your employment is continuous. Even if okay. they may say, up until now you were employed by XYZ, now you're employed by XYZ Inc. It does not matter that you're still an employee, continuous employee. So if your employment ends uh, two years from now, just as an example, yes. at that point you would be a six-year employee and you'd be entitled to severance based on six years. 
years. I see. So so you don't have anything to worry about your employment status. One thing, though, to, to keep in mind, yes. if as a result of this restructuring, they want you to sign a new employment agreement, yes. it's possible that in that agreement there's some terms that are going to be very unfavorable to you. Yes. Uh, so I would want uh, you to send me a copy. I'd like to see it before you sign anything because okay. there could be some situations where you're better off not signing, even if it means you're let go as a result, than signing it. Because if you're signing an agreement that uh, allows them to give away a part of your severance, yes. and the next day they let you go, right. guess what? You potentially could lose tens of thousands of dollars. Yes, which I have in the past few years. I, I've uh, worked with a company for 15 years, right? and uh, it was past the, uh, the uh, uh, statute of limitation. And uh, which I had lost uh, all my severance and everything. I was right. with the company for 15 years. Wow. Not going to a lawyer or anything, and that's how much money I've lost. So, Ernest, the yeah. best advice I could give you is please do not sign an employment agreement right. uh, now or in the future without giving me a call. Let me take a look at it. I can tell you in about 10 minutes uh, if there's a problem there and what to do about it. So, okay. so keep that in mind uh, in the future. Ernest, locally, it's 416-216-5900 to get a hold of Lior. And he should, if he's uh, offered up a new contract or given a new uh, contract, he should be given something if he signs, yes? Yes, and he should. And, and you know, here's the problem in a situation like this. Company uh, incorporates, and now the, the, the corporate name has changed. They say, okay, we're going to have someone sign a new employment agreement. Let's assume they give him something. But what if that employment agreement has something to the effect of, if we ever let you go, employee, we're only going to give you your minimum severance. So they let him go the day after. Now he's been there for four years. Because he signed that employment agreement, he only gets four weeks of severance. Mm -hmm. Whereas had he not signed that, he could potentially get six months, eight months, nine months of severance. So uh, very important in that situation. If you're an employee, if your employer asks you to sign an employment agreement during the course of employment, you you need to understand what it says. It, It may be nothing wrong with it, but I don't want people signing agreements without understanding what the meaning, what the legal issues are in that agreement, give me a call, send me a copy, I can take a look at it, I'll let you know exactly what the problems are, if there are any problems at all. Ministry of Labor, for one, I'm going to say once and for all, but we'll do this again in two shows from now, (laughs) guaranteed, because we have for two years. Uh, Set the record straight, what do people need to know when they're not told by the ministry? Well, there's a distinction, a difference between a person's minimum entitlements and their full entitlements. I'm talking about termination of employment. So your minimum entitlements, for the most part, are going to be a week's uh, severance or, or pay, per year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. There's some exceptions and some people could get more, but to simplify, a week of severance per year of service. But those are the minimum entitlements. Your full entitlements can be several times that, and those are calculated, as our listeners know, Mm -hmm. by looking at your age, position, and length of employment. The problem is, if you call the Ministry of Labor, they're going to tell you what those minimum entitlements are. Very easy. Three years, three weeks, four years, four weeks, etc. Not going to tell you what your full entitlements are, and they're not even going to tell you that you may have other entitlements. So if you're, uh, you've worked for a company for three years, you've been offered four weeks severance, you're going to call the Ministry of Labor, they're going to say, yeah, four weeks is fine. because good all, to go. All, yeah. They only owe you three. So, okay, I'll sign this off. You sign off, not knowing that, in fact, you would have been owed maybe six months of severance. So that happens every single day, John, several times a day, five days a week. And no, it's only because the Ministry of Labor is closed on the weekend. Uh, So as a result of that, what I'm trying to get the message across is please get some legal advice. Don't call the Ministry of Labor. They cannot and will not help you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. 
More phone calls coming up after the break in the interim. Leora at employmenthour.com if you want to toss them an email and 1-855-821-5900. This is the Employment Hour. It's on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We are flying through this hour. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have termination, severance questions. Lay them on us here. We're going to talk a little more about the uh, the ministry because it's uh, it's always a big bowl of Ron to talk about on the show. You can, we can do seven shows on this particular topic. Let's but, try. Um, we've talked about the bad advice you can get to the, from the ministry. Where do you go to get good advice? Well, uh, you know, the, the reality is that the only way you can get uh, legal advice, believe it or not, is to speak with a lawyer. You, you would think it, it makes sense. So, you know what? Don't call the Ministry of Labor. You don't like me? Fine. Don't call me. But call an employment lawyer. Get some legal advice. I've tried to make it as easy as possible for people to get that advice. Not only do we, we do the show every week and you can call me, you can call me at the office. I've also created the Severance Pay Calculator. It's great. SeverancePayCalculator.com. So you lose your job rather than call the ministry and get the wrong information. Go to SeverancePayCalculator.com. Uh, input how long you've worked, how old you are, and uh, your age. And it's going to tell you what your full entitlements are, how much you're actually owed. Uh, and finally, the last thing I've done, of course, we've talked about this on the show as well. I've created a, a website, terminationquestions.com. You can ask me questions. Look at it as an extension of this uh, radio show. I answer questions there. My colleague answers questions. It's anonymous. It's it's free. It's very simple. Just a way to give people access to legal information rather than send them places where they're going to get the wrong information and lose out and walk away and miss uh, entitlements that they actually have. Well, the Ministry of Labor is a, uh, you know, it's a sizable structure. There's a lot of people working there, so they've got to have some function. I mean, in what cases should people contact the ministry? For the most part, it's okay to contact them with respect to amounts owing to you other than severance. So overtime, it's okay for the most part. Vacation pay, it's fine. If there's unpaid wages, so you, your employee didn't pay you for your last week's work, that's fine as well. Certainly, uh, the most common issues I would go to Ministry of Labor is overtime issues and vacation pay issues. Mm -hmm. uh, really, as long as you stay away from termination. And the reason I say that is because with termination, you have additional entitlements other than your minimums. With respect to overtime and vacation, for the most part, your entitlements are the minimum entitlements that are uh, governed by the Ministry of Labor. So because of that, as long as you stay away from termination, you should be fine contacting them. Uh, but with respect to termination, give me a call. Call an employment lawyer, severancepaycalculator.com or terminationquestions.com. Could you go to the Ministry for uh, Human Rights Violations or wrongful, not wrongful dismissals, but stuff of that, of that nature or harassment? Usually, no. For, for okay. those types of issues, you, you again, get legal advice or you potentially could go to the Human Rights Tribunal wow. here in Ontario. If there's a human rights of discrimination, uh, sexual harassment, those types of issues, the Human Rights Tribunal deals with that. They also have a lot of information that, that's readily available there for, for individuals. So very uh, good tool to have. And uh, unlike with the Ministry of Labor, for the most part, you're going to get the right advice at the Human Rights Tribunal. We often have phone calls from those in the construction industry. Just got an email through uh, Lior at employmenthour.com. Parminder says, my husband works in construction. There you go. Uh, he works 60 to 70 hours a week, but he never gets paid overtime. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, here's a, an interesting uh, a dilemma for them uh, because he works a lot of hours mm -hmm. and probably unfair to have to work that many hours of that overtime. But usually people that are in the construction industry are exempt from overtime, are exempt from the Protection of the Employment Standards Act. So strictly speaking, unless he has an employment agreement that he signed that says you're going to get overtime if you work more than a certain number of hours, he doesn't actually get overtime. But while we're on this topic, John, of, of uh, construction, 
People assume that just because you're working construction, you don't have the same rights and protections as relates to severance. That is wrong. Oh, how many of those phone calls have we had, right? A ton of those phone calls, and I get those every day in my office. If you're working in the construction industry and you lose your job, you're still going to have the same rights to severance as someone that's not working in construction based on your age, length of employment, and position. So remember that construction doesn't mean no severance, although it, it may mean no overtime. Kevin says uh, through an email, my former employer, former employer, found that I'm working for a competitor of theirs and is now threatening to take legal action against me. Any advice? Okay, well, I obviously would need a bit more information here. Mm-hmm. Presumably, uh, if Kevin signed an agreement at some point, an employment agreement that prevents him from competing, that may be an issue. Uh, and remember what we said to the caller earlier, it's a question of whether or not, uh, not even whether an agreement like that is enforceable, but if an employer tries to enforce it, they can take legal action against you. Now, it's possible that the employer is just trying to intimidate Kevin. Uh, they're not really going to pursue it. They're just really hoping that he'll stop working for a competitor. I would want to talk to him. I would want to see the employment agreement that he signed. Potentially, we can get his former employer to back off by sending him a letter saying he's not bound by a non-competition obligation. He's not hurting your business. Back off. In many cases, that could happen, but he's got to tread very carefully. He does not want to get involved in a lawsuit pertaining to a breach of a non-competition. But you've also said in the past when it, with, with, uh, with dealing with respect to stuff like this, it's even though you have that non-compete, you know, the government doesn't like people not working. Right. right? They, they don't. But so you're, you're, you have a, let's say you have a non-compete with Chorus just in, and you go work for somewhere else uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow. And let's assume for it and take it as a fact that that non-compete is not enforceable. Because, as you said, you know, our laws don't like things that prevent you uh, from working. Nothing is actually stopping Chorus from suing you. Right. Now, eventually, they're going to lose that lawsuit a year and a half from now because, as we've said, our courts don't like that. But you don't want to be in that position in the first place. You don't want to get sued. So to avoid that, what I tell people is you have to uh, take these things seriously. You should never sign something if you're not prepared to live with it. Right. That's a recipe for a disaster. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Hi. Hi. How are you? Excellent. You got a question for Lior? I do. Okay. A family member used uh, your firm, Lior, to get proper severance that went through mediation. Yep. My question is, is any of your fees deductible for income tax purposes? Good question. If uh, you got uh, legal, sorry, any legal fees that you've incurred that were not reimbursed by the employer are deductible. So if you had to spend uh, money that was not reimbursed to you, that is absolutely deductible and you can deduct that from from your income uh, come tax time. Okay, perfect. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Ellen. That is the only time in two years we've ever had that question. Yeah, no, and, and it's it's a great question. Now, in in most cases, let's let's use an example. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you're uh, you're involved in a uh, dispute with your employer because they let you go, uh, and as part of the deal, the employer pays eighty percent of your legal fees, whatever it is. Sure. So that's fine. That twenty percent that they did not pay for, you can deduct uh, from your taxes. So so to no you know, kidding. So that's fine, and, and that's what happens in many many of these cases. Deductible. In most of these cases, I can say that uh, the employer is going to end up paying most of the individual's legal fees. We're going to go through some basics of termination uh, when we return and more phone calls. If you feel like giving us a, a call, we'd love to have you right up until 2 o'clock. In the meantime, Lior at employmenthour.com. That's where I got those emails and his number anytime outside of the show hours are one 821 5900 More of the Employment Hour on the way on Talk Radio AM 
AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 152, as we get down to our uh, few minutes here, let's uh, let's go over some, some you know, back to basics, literally back to basics with termination as we started this show. Uh, for instance, pull this one out of the hat. Um, cause versus no cause, or opposed to clause, which I uh, yeah. said in the past, right? Or no clause. clause. No clause, no. declawed. So the termination for cause versus mm-hmm. without cause. Now, you should know that probably the most common question, and I get this at least a dozen times a day, or not even a question, a scenario, is someone uh, writes me or calls me and says, Lior, listen, I've been a, a great employee. I've been there for 10 years. Uh, never been written up. No uh, warnings. And they just decided to let me go today. And they've How kept dare. other employees that are more junior to me. Right. So obviously, I think that I've been wrongfully dismissed. And, and it makes sense why someone would think that. Sure. I've done nothing wrong. I've been a great employee. And uh, if they just let me go, no warning, no reason, no explanation, that's got to be wrong, Right. And, and, you know, despite the fact that my, uh, you know, my view is the same, that that's got to be wrong, ultimately that's not illegal. There's nothing legally wrong with that. That is what we would refer to as a termination without cause, which means it's legal as long as the employer pays proper severance. So you've done nothing wrong. There's really no reason to let you go. The employer can still let you go pretty much for any reason as long as that employer pays you severance. Now, where it becomes a wrongful dismissal is if that employer lets you go and does not pay you proper severance. So if that employer says, well, we owe you two months pay and they really owe you eight months pay, well, that's a wrongful dismissal. You've been let go without proper notice or without proper severance. But generally speaking, when you're let go, for the most part, uh, you know, 90% of the cases, it's a question of severance. It's, it's a question of compensation. And I understand a lot of people are frustrated with that and frustrated with them not uh, being able to, to understand the reasons mm-hmm. behind being let go. Now, the, the opposite of that, what I've just talked about is a termination without cause. The opposite of that is a termination for cause. A termination for cause can only happen in very specific situations. It can only happen if an employee is guilty of some very significant misconduct, if that misconduct is such that it's been repeated and it does not allow the employer to continue employment. It's very difficult to terminate someone for cause. Ultimately, the employer has to show that whatever the employee did made it impossible to continue employing them. Now, if the employer can establish cause, at that point, they do not have to pay severance. They do not have to give compensation. They can just let the employee go right away, no compensation, no notice, nothing at all. So really, the two types of termination, without cause, legal as long as you get proper severance, and for cause, which means no severance. Now, if the employer lets you go for cause, Mm -hmm. John, you've done something awful, we're going to let you go for cause, no severance at all. If they're wrong, if what you've done, either you didn't do it or it's not bad enough to come up to the, and rise to the level of cause, then guess what? That is a wrongful dismissal. And cause is an all or nothing situation. Either the employer has cause 100% or they don't have it at all. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as, well, you know, I've done a couple of things bad, so they're 90% there. There's no 90%. Either they're there 100% or they're not. And in my experience, John, most employers pull the trigger on a termination for cause way before they should. What's the second most common thing you get in your office on a daily basis, do you think, other than that? <laughs> the, the, the second most uh, common thing is literally I get people telling me uh, that they've contacted the Ministry of Labor or they've read online 
uh, that they're only entitled to X amount, uh, and that's what their employer are offering, and they just wanted to know if, in fact, they are, they are right. There's a lot of misconceptions out there, and uh, if, if you Google severance and termination of employment and, and wrongful dismissal, you may actually come up across information that's either wrong or it's not complete. So a lot of the people that call me are people that have got some misinformation, or maybe they spoke to their neighbor or best friend or, or parent, mm-hmm. uh, and they've been told something, uh, and, and, and it's wrong. And you know, a lot of the, a lot of them, if they're uh, if they're fortunate, they actually realize that they should get some legal advice before moving on and accepting. So in some cases, in way too many cases, individuals are going to rely on that on this incorrect advice, either that they've read online, they heard from someone, and end up accepting something that's completely inadequate. And once you've signed that piece of paper, John, it's too late. We'll wrap it up with uh, severancepaycalculator.com, right? Severancepaycalculator.com. Use it right now. A great tool. It's free. It's user-friendly. And if you have any other questions outside of show hour, go to terminationquestions.com as well. Chances are someone's asked you. You can go to the drop-down menu and find all the information you need. Outside that, anytime a phone call, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll wrap up another week, my friend. Back here next Sunday in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.